and we are live welcome back ladies and gentlemen this is as you probably already know the wednesday poll list and i am your host lex and murph's not here (laughs) this week's gonna be a very quick episode we're gonna basically talk about a few trailers that have been coming out and i've been trying to hold off on these not heavy content episodes um, I could have been doing reviews for, you know, The Watchmen and Mandalorian and Crisis on Infinite Earth, but I wanted to do them as a whole. I wanted to do them as the episode, or as the season wrapped instead of doing one, you know, a little bit every week and having every every week's episode focused on that. I wanted to just do it as a whole. So those uh, these upcoming episodes that I've been prepping for are heavy. So I'm going to have you know an upcoming Watchmen episode, an upcoming. Uh, Mandalorian episode, an upcoming Crisis episode, even though that probably won't be until January because that's when the stupid show comes back on. Can you believe that? Can you believe that they did three episodes back to back, roped you in, and then they're like, hey, you gotta wait a month (laughs) to finish it. (sighs) Oh, man. Uh, Quick reviews on all three of those. Watchmen, good. Crisis, good-ish. Um, Mandalorian, it's good-ish. It's good. I like it enough. Uh, yeah, those are my three quick reviews on all of them. Uh, like I said, this episode's gonna be quick. I'm gonna go over just some bullet points. Movie news. Talk a little bit about comics. There's a lot of, I'm really diving deep in some comics now. Um, I've read some interesting things that I'm gonna talk about. A little bit of game stuff, not much. I don't have a lot of game news. They had a state of play for PlayStation uh, the other day, which those are always underwhelming for some reason. But we'll talk a little bit about what we saw there. Uh, I was going to list off a list of uh, the games that we know about 2020, but then as I compiled the list, I realized it was it was like 93 things. And then I would just be reading off a list. So I can just link that list into the show notes so you know everything that's coming out in 2020. Which is really interesting because... It's a pretty stacked list for 2020. I think it's the it's the most stacked release list since 2013, which weirdly enough was the last year of the previous generation. So it was the last year of the PlayStation 3. I see what they do. What they do is they try to flood all these games that they had in production. They try to just flood the market with them so they can try to make some money before the PlayStation 5 comes out and all those games become obsolete. Man, what are you going to do? Probably going to buy most of them. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for hanging out. I can't wait to dive deep in this stuff. We got a lot of good episodes coming out the next few weeks. And we still have like maybe five spots left for questions. So if you got a question, hit us up. I've been going through them. Some of them are great. Some of them are funny. Some of them are weird. I can't wait to answer them. That episode's actually, I don't think it's going to be New Year's. I think it's going to be the week after New Year's. Mainly because the Mandalorian throws it off and then Christmas. It's just a weird time. But either way, it's going to be January 2020. 20 questions. I'm excited about that one. We had such a blast last time we did it. Uh, I think we did it like episode 10. So we're due for one. That's why we're doing 20 this time. I'm rambling. I'm probably going to do a lot of that this episode. Bear with me, folks. It's uh, good to see you again. Well, it's good for you to not see me but hear me again. Uh, yeah, let's dive right in. 
right, let's kick this party off with some TV talk. The development of the Superman and Lois series is underway, and although we don't have many details, a casting call is serviced on- online, giving away what could be a key plot point. This call specifies for two parts, for uh, two teenage boys as series regulars. They list the names as Matthew and Ethan, with Matthew being a clean-cut, all-shucks, you know, corny, old-school type, and Ethan being an intelligent but dark, awkward type. These are the first of the series regulars that we've heard about about beyond Tyler Hoechlin's Superman and Elizabeth Tulich's Lois Lane. So who are these kids? Uh, we all know that casting calls usually use fake names, but the character descriptions are usually good hints. So while Matthew and Ethan are probably red herrings, we still can read between the lines. From the description given, it seems that Superman and Lois may be giving us some version of the Super Sons. I mean, that's obviously it's gonna be kind of weird in this Arrowverse because it's kind because I wonder. I mean, that Superman Hoechlin is Supergirl's cousin in that show or in that show, so. Is it going to be Damian Wayne? It's going to be weird. Because where the hell is Batman at? They're going to have to have Batman in it at some point. I don't know. It'd be, it's going to be interesting to see how that show is. I like that guy, Tyler Hoechlin. Um, I didn't like a Superman at first, but I actually I really do like it now. I don't, I'm not too fond of Lois Lane, but I think she's growing on me. I don't know. We'll see. But you, Anybody can play Lois Lane. Uh, what else we got? The teaser trailer for DC Universe's now CW's Stargirl debuted after or during Crisis Aftermath show, which followed part three of the Crisis on Infinite Earths. We're not going to talk about that this episode very much. We're going to talk about Stargirl, obviously, but we're not going to talk about Crisis at all. We're going to try not to. I'm probably going to bring it up a bunch. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't watched it. DC Universe's slash Stargirl follows Courtney Whitmore, a high school student who discovers her stepfather once served as sidekick to the superhero Starman. Courtney becomes the new wielder of Starman's cosmic staff in order to usher in a new era of superheroes as Stargirl. The series will feature multiple other DC characters, including members of the Justice Society of America and the Injustice Society. I'm really, I mean, it looks, it looks good. Not great. It was going to be on DC Universe. They moved it over to CW. They talked about putting it on HBO Max. It's good for a C. It's going to be really good for a CW show because the production value is significantly better as it was supposed to be on these higher end streaming services. So I don't really know how they're going to do. I don't think it's going to tie in directly at all. Just like Black Lightning, even though I can't stand that show, the acting is just bad. Um, it just recently tied in. Spoiler alert with Crisis. <laughs> so it's going to be its own thing. Uh, I'm interested to see these characters. Wildcat, uh, Our Man, a bunch of different characters that they're going to have in it. I love the Justice Society. The Justice Society. Jesus. I love the Justice Society. Um, and the Injustice Society. So I'm excited to see this. It, it should be good. We'll see. Um, According to Deadline, Marvel Studios is phasing out Marvel TV. The report follows a slew of cancellations and the exit of Marvel TV head Jeff Loeb. Uh, Any current Marvel, any Marvel TV show currently in production will reportedly be wrapped into Marvel Studios, but all other projects in development will not move forward, which 
I think we all kind of saw it coming. If you don't know what Marvel Television is, Marvel Television was an American production company that was responsible for live action and animated through Marvel Animation television shows and direct-to-DVD series based on the characters from Marvel Comics. So basically anything that was on TV. And at the time, the streaming services before D- uh, before Disney Plus came out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we've, again, we all kind of thought that was happening. In light of this, several major executives also have been laid off, including Senior Vice President of Animation and Family Entertainment, Court Lane, Vice President of, of Current Series and Development, Marsha Griffin, The Punisher Producer, uh, Mark Ambrose, Daredevil Producer, Tom Lieber, and Cloak and Dagger Producer, Amy Carlson. However, Senior Vice President, Current Programming and Production, Kareem Zirik, I butchered that name, I apologize, will join Marvel Studios as part of a team that will oversee the Marvel TV projects currently in development. So that pro- guy's probably going to get the can after those shows are all wrapped up. Oh, man. That sucks. Those guys probably made a lot of money. You know, they just talk about those people. But imagine all the people under them that got laid off as well. That It just kind of sucks to get laid off by this giant company. Hulu's live-action Hellstrom series will continue production alongside four as-yet-unspecified animated series. I think one of them is going to be Howard the Duck. They might have said that, or it might have been rumored. I don't know. And then, like, Action Mon- or Hit Monkey, I think, was one that they talked about doing. I don't know exactly if those are confirmed or not. Uh, the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will also air as planned. Uh, starting last year, Marvel TV projects began to get canceled one by one, starting with... Iron Fist, which everyone expected because Iron Fist kind of sucked, but then Luke Cage got canceled. That was pretty good. Then out of left field, Daredevil got canceled, Jessica Jones got canceled, and The Punisher got canceled. Those two got canceled, I think, before their their season came out. Sad. Did Jessica Jones, the last season, even come out? Because I definitely did not watch it if it did. Yikes. That's sad. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. announced its final season while Cloak and Dag- Dagger was axed and Runway's third season was confirmed to be its last. Yeah. That's rough. The move to shut down Marvel TV also follows the expansion of Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige's role at the studio. As Marvel chief creative officer, he will now oversee all of Marvel's creative personnel with all key film, TV, and publishing executives reporting directly to him. This also included Marvel TV and Marvel Family Entertainment, which are both impacted by the shutdown. Uh, Yeah, so it just seems like they're trying to roll it all into one. They're trying to make it all under, I guess, the Disney Plus banner and connect it to the movies, which I'm not mad about. I think they have Hulu, too, and that's what their animated series and Hellstrom is going to be on. I'm not totally mad about it. It kind of sucks, but... Um, they're really trying to get people to get Disney Plus, which I understand. And, and I do like a little bit of cohesiveness. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was tied to the, uh, to the movies way loosely. Like, I kept watching to be like, man, this is this is just not really tied to the movies. It, like, kind of was. Um, yeah. I don't know. Agent, Agent Carter was, but not in the, like, not in a high-stakes way. It was, like, old school. So, it's like what happened to Peggy Carter. So, and I mean, Jarvis was in it, but again, not any high stakes way. So I get it. Uh, they might catch a little flag from it. They might be biting off more than they can chew, 
but they usually they usually have a good rapper. And Kevin Feige is like he's he knows what he's doing, kind of. As of now, he knows what he's doing. He hasn't shown us that he doesn't. So, um, yeah, interesting news. Uh, that's all I really got for TV news. Again, I really wanted to talk about Watchmen. I just finished episode eight. Uh, looking forward to episode nine, if that's any indication. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the three episodes that I've watched. Uh, four episodes, because Black Lightning had like a kind of, it was like a 2.5 episode. It was a slight tie-in. Uh, I wanted to talk about those episodes. I'm not going to. I want to rewatch them all together and kind of form my own opinion of it, because right now it's kind of like meh. I don't want to say that and then you know go back on that. Uh, the Mandalorian. I'm also an episode behind on that. I need to watch. I need to watch it. I'm slacking. Uh, the production value is so good on that show. That's what keeps me in. But I'm not going to talk about any of those shows <laughs> much. I'm going to save it for full out episodes. Hopefully with Murph or someone that has watched all the shows. Uh, if you have and you want to be on the show and talk to me, then hit me up. And if Murph is not around, we can make it happen. Uh, that's all I got for TV news, guys. If you have any TV news that I missed, hit us up. Let us know. As I mentioned before, I don't have a lot of gaming news. I, I was going to list out all the games that we know about, but I just didn't feel like listing off a, a bunch of just no one wants to sit here and let me listen let alone, they like to listen to me ramble, I assume, but no one wants to sit here and let me list, like, this game's coming out, this game's coming out, this game's coming out. That would just be lame. I was going over my notes and was just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going through 93 freaking games that are coming out. A lot of games are coming out, some which I'm excited for. On the top of my head, uh, yeah, no, uh, top of my head, Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out May 3rd, I believe. March 3rd, I believe. Yeah, May Avengers comes out. But I'm really excited. One of my all-time favorite games was Final Fantasy VII. It was the first real, you know, we all played the simple games. We all played Turtles in Time. We all played Super Mario, Sonic, stuff like that. Final Fantasy VII was the first real deep dive into like a game where I had to be strategic and plan and kind of set some things up to actually win and, and not to mention it had three disc and you had to, to go in to continue the story you had to pop in a disc if you wanted to backtrack to a different place you had to eject it pop out another <laughs> disc it was just um, a great game uh, my older brother introduced it to me and uh, I've been in love ever since so I'm really excited about that. I'm probably going to buy the collector's edition. Not even going to lie. Uh, I waste my money on dumb stuff. I know. Sue me. What's cool, though, is that the hype for that sh- should be going on all through March and probably for a month or two, maybe for a while, depending on how good it is. It looks gorgeous. Um, and I will be in Tokyo that month of March. So... I'm really excited to be there at that time. Hopefully, I can just get some exclusive stuff to Japan, bring it back, and maybe do a giveaway here if we have any listeners that are into, you know, JRPGs. I know I have a few friends that are. I'm terribly excited for this game. And another game that I'm probably going to get the collector's edition of is the Avengers game because I missed out on the Spider-Man collector's edition, and I just kicked myself about it over and over and over. So, 
I need to look into that ASAP. It's probably already sold out everywhere. I'm going to be kicking myself again. One thing that is noteworthy about the Avengers game is uh, there's a tie-in comic books that tell a lot of the story, or that lay a lot of story foundation down. So if you want to pick this game up, and you are a comic book fan, which I hope you are if you're listening to this podcast, um, they're good. They're good, and again, they, they kind of set up some of the story. Um, Yeah, you should check them out. But yeah, that game comes out in May, and another thing is that we're going to buy two copies of that game before, not before it comes out, but at launch, to give away in a giveaway of some sort. So if you don't have 60 bucks to get the game, you can enter a chance to win it for free. No purchase necessary from me and Murph. So that's going to be exciting. That's coming up in May, May 15th, I believe that comes out. So remember, get out there, read those prequel books. Uh, if you have any you know, questions about it, anything you read, anything you want to know, hit me up. I've done. I've been reading everything. I'm pretty up to date with what's going on with it. Um, yeah, I, I, I need someone to get on and hit me up with some Xbox news, some Switch news. I'm out of the Switch game. I haven't even played my Switch in a while. Like I said, I'm going to Tokyo in March, so I figured I'd play it in that long ass flight there. It's like 18 hours. So I figured I'd catch up on my Switch games then. <laughs> As far as PlayStation comes out, I would love to hit you with some PlayStation 5 news. I've been keeping up with it, but it's just nothing really noteworthy. We haven't seen a console. We have seen patent links, links, leaks of what it seems uh, it seems to look like. Huge vents on it. It looks ridiculous, but kind of cool. <laughs> a rumor to be going back to cartridges, which is interesting to me. Yeah, but again, all this is just rumors. There's no, you know, no facts on any of this stuff. As soon as we do have something, we'll let you know. Uh, I am obvious. I'm going to get it. I always do. Not saying like, oh, I'm just, you know, richy rich. I just throw my, I waste my money, and uh, my wife makes me sleep on the couch because of it. Like today, I was at, <laughs> I went to Walmart to uh, pick up some stuff, and they had completely just stocked the crap out of the shelves with the Ninja Turtle uh, arcade cabinet. And I was like, damn, I'm about to get this right now. But I, just, I, I couldn't imagine me trying to walk in the house two weeks before Christmas with a <laughs> Ninja Turtle video game for myself. I wouldn't imagine that would go over very well. But what are you going to do? I didn't do it. That's the moral of that story. I, uh, I was smart enough to not do that. <laughs> But I do. I, I spend a lot of money on comic books and video games. So I will probably... It, I, it's rumored that the Pro Edition is going to come out the same time that... Which is weird. Because why wouldn't you just release everything you could on one console? <laughs> but um, yeah, Murph said he's going to wait a year or two to get PlayStation 5. I'm going to get it straight out the gate. It's okay. I just am. I don't see the point in waiting. Um... Yeah, so at the state of play they had last week, didn't have any PlayStation 5 news. I was I'm looking for it. The last state of play was okay with me because they had a lot of Last of Us news, which everybody likes The Last of Us. So, and that's Murph's, one of Murph's favorite games. So, I was excited about that to talk to him about it. And this one wasn't it was it was underwhelming. The, there usually are for me. Um so here's everything that they announced the other day at the State of Play. They have a Resident Th- Evil 3 remake. 
which I'm really excited about. Murph and I used to play the crap out of Resident Evil 5. And so maybe this is going to be a chance for us to play again if it offers an online multiplayer for like campaign. Uh, along with that, Project Resistance, an online survival game with its own campaign mode. So maybe that's a game that we could play together um, on Twitch because we have a Twitch that we don't use. <laughs> The Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC expansion is coming with new characters and battles on January 23rd, 2020. Now, Kingdom Hearts was a game that I was invested in since Kingdom Hearts 1. As the story got more confusing and more drawn out and re-released and re-released and re-released, I stuck with it. I was very underwhelmed with Kingdom Hearts 3, beat it very quickly, um, waited for the DLC, and now it's finally coming out. I should angrily say I'm not going to get it, but I'm going to. But I have a bad track record of picking DLCs up as they come out. Uh, On Black Friday, I finally got the Spider-Man PS4 DLCs for that game because they were on sale for like $10. So I just got all of them and I haven't even played them yet. So I'm very bad. My game playing has been like way less. Uh, Oh, let me quickly say I did download the free PlayStation Plus game this month, Titanfall 2, and I can't believe I didn't play this game when it first came out. It has to be one of the most underrated games of all time. It's it's, it's a shooter, but I and I, I notoriously hate shooting games, but it's so much fun. Uh, my buddy Simon recommended it, and I ignored him because I hate shooters, but it's so much fun. So if you have it, I strongly recommend you pick it up, play the campaign mode, play the multiplayer. It's a ton of fun. Uh, for some reason, people are excited about this Untitled Goose game that's coming out to PlayStation 4 December 17th. I don't know. People are weird. Uh, another one, Dreams, will be available PlayStation 4 February 14th, The Day of Love in 2020. Spellbreak, let's see what this is about. It's a new Battle Royale game combining roleplay and magical combat. It comes from Pro- Proletariat, and it's starting a closed beta. There's a lot of words in that. <laughs> so... You take that and you decipher that for whatever it is. Um, there was a few other things that were featured. Paper Beast, which is a VR sandbox where you can explore an ecosystem full of strange beasts. Uh, that's coming out first quarter 2020. That sounds fun. Uh, a new Predator game, which actually looks pretty cool. I'm really weary about these kind of movie adaption games, but it looks pretty cool. It comes out April 24th, 2020. Um, Square Enix and Platinum release new footage of Babylon's Fall, which is an action-adventure game that mixes a medieval fantasy setting with sci- with a sci-fi feel for the combat. Uh, I'm really excited about that one. It looks great. Uh, Super Liminal. It's a perspective and physics-based puzzle game where you move through dreamlike landscapes. That's coming on PS4 at an undisclosed date. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm just rolling through these. But one of the games that I was really excited about was Ghost of Tsushima which didn't really have anything. It had a teaser. And uh, the more complete trailer, by the time you listen, this will probably be out. It's, they're going to show it at the Game Awards, which is at the time, uh, tonight, tomorrow, whatever you listen to this, yesterday, two weeks. It doesn't matter. It just it came. It, we, lo- we watched it. I'm sure it was great. It, the small teaser that they had looked amazing. Uh, yeah, that was it. So maybe we'll pick up a few of these games. I'm sure I will. Murph probably won't uh that's all i got if you have any xbox or switch news or any playstation news i missed as usual hit us up
So, comic books. This is a comic book related podcast. I am a comic book historian and fanatic. So, uh, I do. I want to talk a little bit more about comic books on here. I don't. I feel like I gloss over it every time, and we just talk about other nerdy stuff. But that's okay. All of our other content is like full of of comic book stuff. Like our Instagram is just nonstop comic book stuff or twitter that's all i talk about is comic book stuff our upcoming youtube channel is going to be just all comic books so the podcast is just kind of like a casual conversation between me and ghost murph usually but when murph comes on here he's entertaining so uh yeah let's talk a little bit about comic books some things that i noticed it is wednesday and a lot of times on wednesday i don't have a time like i would love to deep dive in all the books that i pick up and just like blaze through them really quickly but i don't uh, so from what i gather from what i have read and people that i talk to on the internet that spoil things for me i'm going to start talking a little bit about some comic book not really news just kind of some highlights uh some things that i saw uh george menez joins james tenyon the fourth as the artist on the upcoming DC series, well, the upcoming Batman series, after Tom King's run, uh, City of Bane, which a lot of people don't like. It's it's very strange to me. It's not that I don't like it. It's just uh, I, I'm not a fan of it. I do love George Menez. I, um, James Tinian's good. So it should be good. We'll see. They just give it, keep it simple. It's going to be better than Tom King's run because that was just crazy and weird. I'll talk about that at another time. Star Wars Bounty Hunters takes aim at a Marvel ongoing series. Writer Ethan Sachs and artist Paolo Vianelli will tackle a new Star Wars comic for Marvel following Bounty Hunters uh, like Boba Fett and Bosk. I'm excited about that. I love those guys. Those are characters that didn't really get to shine as much as they probably could have in those movies. Uh, so it's going to be cool to set them in a comic book setting. You can do a lot more that you for less. You know, you don't have to have the big production values of a movie because you can do all that just drawn on the page. Um, what else do we got? Oh, this is something that uh, if you don't read comics, you're not going to know about it. But Black Panther just declared war on the Wakandan Empire, but not so much. Uh, Black Panther 18, issue 18, has brought King T'Challa face-to-face with his worst fear, and now he finds himself facing the intergalactic Wakandan Empire. That's a lot to unpack, I understand. But if you're not reading it, we don't have a lot of time for that today. Hit me up, we can talk about it. It's not that bad. (laughs) Curse of the White Knight is finally bringing me back in. The original series was so good, and I love it. Murphy's art style. I was looking at the vehicles in this issue and it was just every little thing. I love the way he does Nightwing. I love all the vehicles. I love the way he draws, period. Total inspiration. Uh, in Batman, Curse of the White Knight, issue number five, John Paul Valley ditches his red costume and puts on his very own insane Batman suit designed for war. And it looks great. I love the old Azrael suit uh, from the 90s, Nightfall. It looked ridiculous, but uh, I loved it. It's dumb now when I think about it, but I still have that those old, you know, childhood memories of it. So it makes me still kind of fond of it. Um, check it out. I posted it on our story on Instagram, and uh, I'm probably going to talk about it more as the weeks go on. 
Spider-Man. Miles Morales' Spider-Man issue number three introduces the young superhero's new baby sister into the Marvel Universe, Billy Morales. Very cool. That's a new introduction of a Marvel character, so you might want to pick it up just in case she becomes the future Spider-Girl. You never know. It could be an issue 50 years from now. You're like, man, I should have picked that up when she was born. You have it. X-Force. If you haven't picked up X-Force, you should. If you don't know, there was this really, really powerful mutant in X-Force 1 that got murdered. Well, he's back. (laughs) And they have a whole new plan for the X-Men. Definitely check it out. Um... Yeah, Captain America is a, a tie-in prequel comic for Marvel's the Marvel's Avengers video game has a longtime Captain America foe pose a cataclysmic threat. So it's it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna spoil any of it because you should read it. If you're gonna play the game, you should read it. If you like comic books, you should read it. It's go get it, pick it up. There's also a Black Widow prequel which pits uh miss romanoff against taskmaster which is really cool because th- that movie's coming out and it kind of gives you uh, uh some some feels for that movie um if you're familiar with the dark knight trip frank miller storyline superman and wonder woman's daughter laura is kind of a prick she doesn't take after clark Kent at all but uh that actually makes me like her character a lot more spider-man the golden or spider-man <laughs> wow um, Batman, the Golden Child, or is, is it Dark Knight, the Golden Child? One of those. The Golden Child book is out now. Pick it up. It's it's interesting. <laughs> They're really milking this Dark Knight uh, storyline. I saw this funny thing. Christopher Priest had to remind DC. He revealed uh, that during his run on Deathstroke, DC editorial had to be reminded that Slade Wilson is a villain and not an anti-hero. I had a feeling they were trying to make him an anti-hero, but uh, again, Christopher Priest rectified that for us. Thank God. They, he's a popular character. They're just like, okay, if he's a popular character, we have to make him a good guy so we can sell toys to kids. No, he's a murderer. <laughs> he's like, wants to kill the Teen Titans all the time. He's just the evil guy, man. Don't make him a good guy. That's dumb. We got a preview of this. I think it's a one-shot called Outlawed. Uh, Marvel Comics has released a preview of its upcoming one-shot Outlawed, showing its teen superheroes facing the government. It's got a lot of feels of that original Civil War uh, conflict. Uh, I'm excited about it. I do like these teenage heroes. Nova, Miss Marvel, uh, Miles Morales. I I really like that whole field. Champions and uh, don't remember what the other group is. Not the Runaways. I don't know. I really like it. I'm excited about it. I do love that original Civil War. We're not going to talk about Civil War 2. So, yeah. It's going to be good. It's been a good week. All right, so these next few topics are going to be a little spoiler heavy. So if you haven't read this week's comic books, you should probably fast forward about 15 minutes. DC's New Year's Evil turns a surprising C-list villain into a tragic figure. It was actually surprisingly good. I didn't think it was going to be good. I don't fall for these kind of one-shot Christmas-type issues. But man, it was, it was actually, I enjoyed the read. Cronus has never been the most impressive DC villain. He's usually a background character of a background character in a Legion of Doom meeting. He's the nemesis of Adam, who is a background character of a background character of a Justice League meeting. 
uh, he had his own series like maybe once or twice. Kronos was never given the chance to grow into this emotionally complex character that we know he could have been. However, one of the stories in DC's New Year's Evil number one focuses on him and introduces new elements to Kronos to the origin of Kronos that explains how one terrible Christmas shaped the man that he would become and how his using time travel made him an active player in it. It was good, man. Again, if you don't know who Kronos is, this is a good way to jump into it. Kronos first appeared in 1962's Adam, issue number three, without the time travel elements he would later become known for. Created by Gardner Fox and Gil Kane, Kronos, David Clinton, was initially just a thief who perfected timing and synchronization to enhance his tactics during crimes, which I think is significantly cooler than using time travel. But what are you going to do? He was the dedicated nemesis of Ray Palmer, the Atom of the Silver Age. His research into time-based gadgets eventually led to the creation of a small of small time-traveling technology. Years later, he would eventually make a deal with Neuron during Underworld Unleashed that gave him full time-traveling abilities. However, he never really, he never seemed to like do anything crazy with him, and he disappeared into the time stream and was pronounced legally dead. Although he would occasionally repeat, uh, reappear at various points in time to fight Ray Palmer and then eventually uh, the heir to the title of Adam, Ryan Choi. Which, Ryan Choi, spoiler alert, is in crisis. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. The character, like most of the DC Universe, was largely reinvented in the decade after the events of Flashpoint. But I talk about it all the time. It's an amazing story. Check it out. Originally, he was an agent of Argus who was captured by the Secret Society of Supervillains, which is a mouthful to say, until the Justice League accidentally found him. This David Clinton would eventually use his time technology to try and bring down the very concept of superheroes by killing Ahal, which I'm not saying that right, but it's like A-H-L. I don't know. He was the prehistoric first ever hero. He was even able to fatally wound the hero, but Ryan Choi lived up to the old rivalry of the Atom and Kronos, defeating him and giving the heroes a chance to save Ahal. While Kronos' new story doesn't redeem him, it does reveal a tragic Christmas story about Kronos that goes a long way towards explaining the kind of man that he is. The story focuses largely on Cliff Clinton, who is eventually revealed to be the father of David Clinton, the boy who will grow up to become Kronos. The villain has been returning to a specific Christmas night in his past, trying to find a way to change the past and make his father a better man. The first time we see him, he saves a drunken Cliff from being hit by a car and orders him to become a better man out of gratitude. But Kronos reveals that this is the 64th attempt to force his father to redeem himself. Ultimately, just like all the other attempts, this one fails. Cliff is even offered money to buy David the present he wants, but never got. It's just a sad, sad story about a crappy dad, man. It is later revealed that Kronos has been trying to change the past by giving himself a happier home life as a child and hope that he will it will allow him to have led a life where he never became a supervillain. Even posing as a social worker and threatening to take his son away doesn't affect Cliff. He's just a jerk, man. He's just like a crappy person. In the end, an enraged David confronts his father and murders him himself, leaving his body in the street and telling the dying man that all he had to do to live to a nice old age was love his son. 
The story ends with Kronos giving his younger self a Christmas present while the cops arrive to inform him and his mother about Cliff's demise. It's a sad story for the holidays that builds off the idea that Kronos doesn't see the point in the people meant to inspire him, like his father or, you know, so-called superheroes. In the same way that silly characters like Kite Man have been redefined with tragic tales, this story highlights the private tragedy that drives this villain and makes Kronos far more than just another face in a crowd. It's To me, it just... I don't know why it stuck with me so well because it's again it's there's so many of these like silly silver age characters that they can redeem obviously with these tragic stories not saying that everybody needs a tragic story but man this is significantly better than anything i knew about chronos it was good check it out there's a lot of stories in that dc uh new year's villains uh, number one I just spoiled one of them for you. So you still have other stories in there. Check it out. Not too long ago, DC Comics came under fire for removing promotional posts on Twitter, featuring one of artists Raphael Grandpa's, like Grandpa, but not, uh, one of his variant covers for Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child. The cover depicts Batwoman hurling a Molotov cocktail. At the time, the removal of the image seemed to uh, have been done at the command of angered supporters of the Chinese Communist Party. After several weeks without comment, Grandpa and writer... It's just weird to say Grandpa every time I'm reading Grandpa and writer Frank Miller recently explained that the image was removed from social media, not because of the controversy, but because there were actual errors present on it. Speaking at the Comic-Con experience in San in Sao Paulo, Grandpa said the DC posted the wrong image without our names in the credits. Evidently, due to unfortunate timing, it was previously assumed that the removal of uh, the Twitter post was a response to backlash from pro-Beijing readers who interpreted the cover as an expression of support to pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot of words. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Shortly after the image was removed, DC Comics was criticized by pro-democracy supporters who saw the removal as a sign that DC Comics had become one of the many notable companies to bend the knee to the influence of Chinese censorship. Prompting protesters in Hong Kong to adopt the slogan used in the artwork, the future is young. Now, Miller or Grandpa hasn't, they haven't, uh, you know, denounced it. So they seemingly are okay with it. Not saying they fully support it or they ever trying to get their hands involved at all. They're just not not touching it, which is smart. Uh yeah. So that was cool. Now this is probably the most key moment in comic books this week. Just, and it's going to be full spoilers. Sorry. Superman has revealed his secret identity to the world. After decades spent living a double life as the Man of Steel, Clark realizes he no longer needs to live the life. Superman is now happily married, has a family, and lacks the motivation to hide. But before he can do the big press conference, he needs to take a moment to break the news to his friends. Admitting to the world that Superman is actually Clark Kent is also about revealing to his friends that Clark Kent was Superman the whole time. It's a secret that works both ways. 
So outing Superman's secret also requires him to deal with the people in Clark's life first. This means Perry White and Jimmy Olsen, Olsen are his first stops on his quest for truth. You know, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, he would have went to the Justice League first, but I feel like they already know that he's Clark. I don't know. They've been his friends for years, and, and they all have their own secrets, so I guess it's fine. I mean, a conversation with Batman. Batman probably knows he's uh, Clark Kent. Green Arrow's not very smart. Well, I guess Green Arrow's smart in his own right, but uh, I guess I guess it's fine. Yeah, it would have made sense, but this panned out as more like a personal and intimate decision. Uh, so if he's going to reveal Superman's secret to the world, we know that he has to admit the truth about Clark Kent. This leads to some some pretty special moments. This was a good issue. Um, Superman may be a super-powered alien, but he's also really human. That's what makes his character so good. His decision to live a nor- like a normal man for years is a testament to how much he values his humanity and the people around him. So giving up his secret is no small thing, and it's a decision he knows that will affect people he deeply cares about. It's only right that he tells Perry and Jimmy his secret in like a small way and not letting them see it. You know, because it kind of cheapens it if he just reveals it to the world without, and they just were like, oh, okay, so we knew Clark. Clark was our friend this whole time. He was Superman. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, as we see the beginning of Superman's grand announcement on stage in front of the journalist and camera, we cut to a moment where Clark quietly reveals his truth to Perry. Superman has made his mind up, but it's dif- a difficult decision to follow, or to follow through on, sorry. Uh, yeah, so he takes a moment to reflect on the life he built as Clark Kent at the Daily Planet, you know, just living in Smallville, doing his thing. Uh, he wants to be like his dad, not Jor-El, but uh, Jonathan Kent. So, you know, he's just, it takes a second to kind of just take that all in. The scene plays out silently. Uh, and it, he enters, Clark enters Perry's office like he's done all, you know, so many times over the years. Only this time there's something deeply personal happening. We don't know what's said between the two, but we do see Clark reveal his costume and tell the truth, pretty much, we imagine. At first, Perry's shocked to learn his secret, but then the two embrace in a beautiful gesture that is both loving and accepting. But Superman's pal already knew the truth. Bum, bum, bum. He didn't figure it out. Jimmy Olsen's not that smart. (laughs) Superman's conversation with Jimmy goes a bit differently. Superman's pal has always been a means to reflect on the more absurd aspects of, you know, Superman's life. He's like a fan. He's his number one fanboy. Back in the day, he had a watch where he could call Superman if he was in or Lois were in trouble. So, uh... Yeah, and then he's like best friends with Clark, so it's he's been lied to the most. Um, yeah, so it's it makes sense that he would tell him, but he already knew. The truth is that Lois had already told him that morning while Clark was talking to Perry. So as a result, Superman doesn't get that heart, heartfelt moment that everyone or that he was expecting. I guess everyone wasn't, and that doesn't make it any less perfect because Lois knew Jimmy longer than she knew Superman. So she felt it right that she admit to him that she was lying to him, you know, for all those years because she knew too. So she explains to Clark that she told him over the phone and he was pretty emotional about the whole thing. Of course, we don't see that, but it's Jimmy Olsen. We know he's like a, a wimp. So he probably cried. <laughs> so uh, we know how much Superman means to Jimmy with that. We don't need to see it. So he, we, that was, it's Jimmy. We all would imagine he cried. 
You know, DC Comics has always, they've always said that one day in the future, Superman will abandon his life as Clark Kent as he loses his attachment to humanity. However, that's not what's happening here today. Superman very much intends to live his life as Clark Kent, but he doesn't really see the point of, he's Superman. You know, the whole thing is like his people that he loves are in danger, but they're in danger anyways. And he is Superman, so he can save them. He just doesn't see the point right now. And I don't think it'll, I think it might pan out to be like a, you know, a problem. And, but yeah, the issue ends with him revealing the secret to his closest friends, the Justice League, the Legion of Doom, and the world at large. So it makes him, he's closer with his actual friends, but it also puts a target on his back. So, not to mention if he wants to keep being a, uh, you know, a journalist, he has to deal with an ethical conundrum that comes with, you know, it's like the thing of Spider-Man and Peter Parker takes pictures of Spider-Man as his job. But what if you find out that it's actually the same person? Nah, you're kind of cheating the system, dude. So, I don't know. One thing for sure is that it's not the end of Clark Kent. If anything, it's a new sort of uh, identity that we but we haven't gotten to explore. So he's not in ba- abandoning his super or his, his human life, but he's embracing it and sharing it. And uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out. All right, that's enough comic talk. Let's go ahead and bring up those trailers that we mentioned like 30 minutes ago. Uh, Before that, I do want to mention that uh, Ezra Miller signed on to star in the Flash movie way back in the day, like 2014. But the movie finally looks like it's going to get a date that's going to stick. And that's July 1st, 2020. Uh, it's a little bit of ways away, but he does, you know, he has existing projects and all that stuff. Um, I'm excited for it to come out. I feel like it should come out before the Batman movie, the Matt Reeves Batman movie, uh, which is rumored to be titled Vengeance, which is weird. They should just leave it as the Batman, but that's a whole nother episode. Um, that way they can do Flashpoint and kind of reset the DCEU and let it do its thing. They can all be creative and have Aquaman and living his own life and Wonder Woman doing her thing in the 80s and it all would not make sense but it would just make it a little easier to take in uh but again that's a whole nother episode in itself so we're not going to get into that um yeah at all uh another thing it was officially announced in August that the Matrix 4 is in development it was also announced that Keanu Reeves would be among the returning cast to come back for the next installment uh, but until today, we had no idea when it was coming out. It would be one of those movies that you think are coming out 10 years from now. Uh, but it finally has a release date, which is weird because it's the exact same day that John Wick 4 is uh, reported to come out, which is May 21st, 2021, earlier than The Flash. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited. Which one are you going to see first? Are you going to see John Wick? Are you going to see The Matrix 4? Which one? Are you going to see them the same day? I'm going to probably see them in the same day. That's a lot of movie watching, but I've grown to love me some Keanu Reeves just like everybody else in the world for some reason. Okay, so just that was all the updates that I had. This just caught my eye today, and I wanted to bring them up because they were uh, nerd-related. But we have three trailers that came out since the last time we talked. We, I mean, we talked about Black Widow trailer, so we don't need to recap that one. That would be four. But we already talked about that. We talked about that last week. First off, we're going to talk about a movie. Let's just get into it. 
History isn't kind to people who play God. Daniel Craig said that to Rami Malek's character in the upcoming James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Oh man, it was a stunning first look at uh, a first look at what is reportedly Daniel's Craig, Daniel Craig's last James Bond movie. Those were a lot of words <laughs> to say in a row. Uh, the trailer is just beautiful, man. Uh, it looks good. It promises that No Time to Die will go to some interesting places. You see Bond's. You see Bond. He's kind of older. He seems to be torn between the mysterious Doctor Swan and some sort of shadowy threat that they don't. It's like very ambiguous. They didn't want to get into it in the trailer, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, but it also included Return of a Familiar Face. The I think his name was Ernst Stravo Blofeld. Blofeld, who's played by Christoph Waltz, one of my favorite actors, and he's seen talking to James Bond in sort of like this Hannibal Lecter style prison, which is kind of cool. Beyond that, we also get to see Lashana Lynch's Nomi, who is the secret agent rumored to pick up the 007 title. Not James Bond, folks. She's not James Bond. (laughs) The dynamic between her... I don't know why I said dynamic like that. Uh, I'm falling apart towards the end of this podcast, guys. I'm sorry. The dynamic between her and James Bond is going to be kind of a, like a buddy cop thing, I believe. If if, if spies were buddies, uh, there's a scene where she promises to shoot him in the knee and his like good knee because he's old and he has bad knees. <laughs> there's a number of stars reprising their roles. So Ralph Phineas is coming back as M. Naomi Harris as Money Penny. Rory Kinnear as uh, the M- MI6 Chief of Staff. Bill Tanner. Uh, who else? Ben Wishaw as Q, uh, the chick that played uh, Dr. Swan, Lee Sadu, I don't know how to say her name. Jeffrey Wright's coming back as Felix. It's going to be good, man. Rami Malik, he's a great actor. He's coming, he's going to be the new Bond villain, Safin. Safin. So, yeah, I'm just excited about it, man. It looks great. If you saw the trailer, you got to check it out. It looks so good. So, so good. Did last month, uh, Daniel Craig confirmed that this will indeed be his last and final outing as James Bond. He told, he told a German publication that someone else needs to have a go at it, which I don't know why everyone's acting surprised before this movie came out. He said that he would rather slit his wrist than be, than be James Bond again, but he's so good at it. (laughs) It sucks. It sucks, but I get it. He hasn't been able to do anything else really besides this. He wants to do other stuff. He doesn't want to be tied to one role. Dang. Let let that man breathe. (laughs) It's going to be good. I'm excited to see it. Um, A lot of people were spectacle. Or, you know, they didn't have high hopes for it because of the announcement of the replacement 007. But I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a good movie. We just got to give it a chance. Next up, we have probably one of my all-time favorite franchises, of all time i said that twice because it's that that's how much i love it ghostbusters the ghostbusters franchise is finding new life the first trailer for ghostbusters afterlife shows off justin reitman's continuation of the franchise that began 35 years ago the film stars carrie coon who plays callie the mother to phoebe and trevor uh, and paul rudd also stars as a summer school teacher the sony picture film 
uh, in association with Braun Studios, takes place in the same universe as the original, which was released in 1984, and its 1989 sequel, and will acknowledge events from both of those movies. Uh, the original Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson are confirmed that they will, will appear in the movie. And I have heard that, um, what's his name? Bill Murray is also going to be in it. So we'll see. Uh, the plot revolves around the family of Egon Spengler finding his old ghostbusting equipment in the family farm or on the fi- family farm. Egon has since died. Uh, we know that actor Harold Ramis, who played Egon, died in 2014. Uh, and according to the trailer, a ghost has not been seen in 30 years, but appears that that's about to change. Bill Murray is not shown in the trailer, but his voice can be heard giving lines from the first film when they're outside of the library and he's talking about going into the ghost busting business. I am really, really excited about this one. Uh, I, I can't go without talking about, I guess, the, the all-female cast one. So I need to t- say that I don't hate that movie at all. Uh, and it's not about the fe- all-female cast. It's just that they went the slapstick comedy route. And although some people think of the old Ghostbuster movies as comedies, they were... For me, there were more movies that were funny. It's a big difference between that and then like uh, slapstick comedies because I feel like they had all comedians as the cast of that movie, the all female cast, and it was just all joke after joke after jokes. Whereas in the old Ghostbusters movie had a little bit of scariness to it. It would frighten a child. I remember, I remember being scared of those demon dogs as a kid. And then in the second one, Vigo creeped me out, man. The ooze and the sewer. Oh, man. And this one looks like it's going to take from that route. Like, it's going to have a little bit of scariness in it. Not, like, scary, but, like, a little spookiness. Uh, and it's going to have... A, it's Paul Rudd. He's going to have some good lines in there. Dan Aykroyd and the original Ghostbusters. It's going to be... I feel like it's going to be a good movie. And it, for me, it gives me a way better vibe than a complete reboot. Uh like the all-female cast so let me know what you think did you like the all-female cast one do you like the original ghostbusters have you ever seen the old ones if you haven't you probably should they're great i can't wait for this movie oh i'm already excited about it last but not least has this comic book related podcast i think we should probably talk about wonder woman 84 or wonder woman 1984 excuse me it's most likely the biggest splash that came out of uh, CCXP last Sunday. They released the first full trailer to Wonder Woman 1984. It's set, as you could probably assume, in the 80s. <laughs> and it's the next film to feature Diana Prince. Uh, I believe she comes into conflict with the Soviet Union during the Cold War in the 80s and finds a formidable, formidable foe by the name of Cheetah. Cheetah is played by Kristen Wiig, and WW84 is directed by Wonder Woman Helmer. Helmer. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Director Patty Jenkins. <laughs> what? I'm falling apart, guys. I'm glad we're wrapping this up because, whoa. You know, I'm not editing these. When I do them by myself, I am going to start editing them, but it's like, you know, we're late in the day. We're just chatting. Let's just do it uncut. <laughs> um, the film is set to hit theaters June 5th, 2020. 
I'm excited about it. It's got like crazy 80 vibes. Makes me feel uh, like Stranger Things. I'm pretty sure that mall is the same mall. Uh, from what I've seen of Cheetah, I, I'm not thrilled with how she looks. She looks like Kristen Wiig with just the Cheetah jacket on. Pedro Pascual looks great as Maxwell Lord. And uh, Steve Trevor's back. Which is weird because the first movie was, if I'm not mistaken, in the 1940s. So he'd be stupid old, but he doesn't look like he's aged at all. My bet right now, and I'm calling it on this podcast, you heard it uh, in December of 2019, that he's not real. Pedro, or Maxwell Lord has the ability to manipulate people's minds. So I believe that he's never really there in the in the, in the movie. He's just kind of manipulating Wonder Woman to do his bidding. Uh, but it looks like they're going to do his powers a little bit differently. They're going to be like wish-based or something weird like that. I don't know. Maybe he wishes for that power. It looks good. Uh, I like Pedro Pascual. I like Gal Gadot. So. And I like Kristen Wiig. I'm not saying I don't like her. I just, uh, I don't know. Just the cheetah jacket, cheetah pants. That just seems kind of lame. And it's it's been really hard to kind of see Kristen Wiig in this action role I don't know hopefully it's good I mean a lot of people are really excited about it I the first Wonder Woman movie to me was a little boring um, I have not been able to watch it without falling asleep at some point so I'm going to do my best to not do that in this one uh, let me know what you guys think of the first Wonder Woman and how excited you are for the second one have you seen any of the cheetah stuff I, I'm, I'm interested I'm genuinely interested and um, yeah, that's all we got for movie stuff, dudes. And that's it. That's a wrap. We're circling the drain, guys and gals. I always say guys as like a general term for people, but I realize some people don't like that. Whatever. Uh, yeah, we're circling the drain. This episode could have been like way longer. It actually went longer than I had planned on. I babbled about a few things that I didn't plan on. <laughs> but I wanted, you know, again, we have a lot of episodes coming up. We have full review on Watchmen. We have a full review on Mandalorian. We're going to have a full review on Crisis. I'm, I'm excited. We got the 20 questions coming up. If you haven't got your question in, if we have more than 20, we'll answer them. So, get your questions in i think we're at like 17 maybe 16 now so uh yeah do that other than that i'm, I'm very excited i'm very excited to talk about watchmen i think murph is all the way caught up he hasn't watched crisis yet but i know he will but by the time it comes out he's caught up on mandalorian i'm not i don't think there's any movies coming out oh star wars comes out what am i talking about <laughs> Yeah, we'll do a Star Wars review as well. Maybe, I don't know, for Christmas. I'm going home to see my family. So it might just be a Christmas episode. Then we might do a full Mandalorian and Star Wars. Yeah, we'll do that. Mandalorian and Star Wars uh, review. So that's all I got. I can't wait to you know release some of this content starting the new year. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get it going. And... Uh, We'll catch you guys next week.